it's another skill that we're going to be adding to our ever-expanding tool set. And that's where the real value of AI is going to be, is not drawing on everything else out there, but drawing on everything that's in here. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creators Pod. My name is Rob. I'm here with Alec, Dina, Michelle, Keely, and Rich. And today, we're going to talk about what everyone's talking about, artificial intelligence and how that is affecting creators and how are you using it, how we're using it. And so let's talk about it. So uh, we've been talking about this amongst ourselves for a few weeks. I mean, obviously chat GPT has hit us all and we've been looking at it, but there have been other tools uh, that have uh, stood out and people have started to use it. I know that a few of us, uh, started with uh, Jasper probably a, over a year ago. And now we've just kind of rolled into different tools. So asking my first question, I'll start with Alec. Um, what tools have you been using lately outside possibly of the obvious of ChatGPT? And uh, what have you discovered about them that has made them stand out? Uh, absolutely none. Outside of ChatGPT. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I was somebody who I tried Jasper, you know, when there was a lot of buzz around it in, you know, our little group last year um, or the year before, I guess. Um, and I never really got into it because I wasn't really doing a lot of uh, sort of written content creation. And I wasn't using it also for, you know, descriptions or anything like that. And I think one of the things that I didn't really um, pick up on with that so much was all of the different formulas that you've got that you can use, you know, for, you know, a standard uh, call to action for things like that. And it was only really when chat GPT came out that I did start to look more at it because of the more sort of conversational nature of, of it. Um, and so, so far, all I've really been doing is just playing around with uh, getting it to generate um course plans, things like that, to just use it as an initial framework. I mean, a lot of people say that um, it's not going to replace professionals in any industry because you still have to know that what it's putting out is actually meaningful and useful and correct. Um, but I have found that it has been good for me to just sort of speed up the process of, you know, crafting a call to action for something or a, an outline for a course. Um, and it's it's been pretty good in that respect. I have also been using it outside of content creation uh, for things like Excel macros, code snippets and stuff like that. It's really good at that, which is something that Jasper historically wasn't really built for um no. so yeah using it for coding has been amazing okay yeah i know that uh you know i've been finding new ways of uh, of using chat gpt and keely directed me toward a a course that uh i dropped some money on a couple of nights ago and i'm about halfway through that and you know honestly i was a little skeptical or you know i made the comment to you all that i kind of felt that uh, chat GBT or, you know, there's going to be a bunch of AI bros like we had for crypto <laughs> that everybody was going to be like jumping on and, um, uh, you know, trying to become the expert really quickly. And I think I see, especially on Twitter, a lot of people doing that. They're pulling out, you know, they're literally stealing other people's work product for training, packaging it up and either collecting an email address or, or charging five bucks or whatever, you know, at some level they're, they aren't the experts that they say they are, but they've found enough material to cull and create their own little book. So, but fun, fun fact. So uh, ChatGPT went with a paid model 
And today I got my invitation. I was, uh, I guess, uh, probably a little earlier on the list than some. So I paid the $20. Now, have I noticed any large, you know, uh, you know, ability to do things faster? Not at this particular point. It's only been a few hours since I, I bought into it, but you know, they, they at least say that things are going to be better and I haven't had any annoying notifications that the network is overloaded. So, uh, Dina, same question to you. Any tools that you found in the AI space that you might be using and how? Um, I've tried ChatGPT and I can see where it's really valuable for me for courses, um, outlines, that kind of thing. I haven't really gotten into any of the other AI stuff other than that, though. Have you asked ChatGPT for any uh, recipes? I did. I, I told it I had, uh, I think I said, give me a recipe that for broccoli, ginger, and soy sauce or something. And it made, no, it was it was uh, shrimp and grits. I said shrimp, grits, and garlic, and it gave me a shrimp and grits recipe. Um, the other thing I did last week, I... I uh, I asked it to tell me about the tale of the Bichon Frise. I remember this now. I, I, this is why it, I, it completely went out of my mind because T-A-L-E I was mortified. T A I L. I L. Okay. I wanted to know um, what the tale of a Bichon Frise dog is supposed to be like, and it was completely wrong. I was utterly mortified. Um, I mean, and, it, and what I what I can say that I appreciated was, you know, they've got the thumbs up, thumbs down. And, of course, I did the thumb, thumbs down. It gave me an opportunity to tell it what it should have said. So I copied it straight out of the, the Bichon Frise standard and gave it to them. And then the follow-up questions were, some, I, I don't remember what the full compendium was, but one of the options was this is dangerous or, um, you know, could be harmful to somebody. And it, what they said was that the tail is docked on uh, Bichon, and it is not. So um, I wanted to make sure that that got fixed because we don't need Bichons to have their tails cut off. Ooh, thanks for playing. No. Yes. Chat GPT, thanks for playing. <laughs> well, you know, at least they have a way of, of training it. Michelle, what tools have you been using? Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, of course, the uh, aforementioned chat GPT. But, you know, I mean, I'm still a Jasper stan. Uh, I, I kind of use chat and, and Jasper in tandem. So I'd start off in chat and then make it pretty in Jasper. Um, I have found, actually, I mean, it's been really good. It's been really good. I really like, uh, you know, to kind of... Um, what you said, Alex, about the conversational type um, way that you can just kind of talk to it and then it'll just spit stuff out. But then I, w- I went back and I kind of did all of my structure stuff in Jasper. Um, I've been a Jasper stan since last year sometime. And, um, you know, I'm team boss mode. So I kind of like that. And it, it just really does great stuff as far as like putting things together for my blogs and for um, um, for some of my long form com- content. I love long form content for whatever reason. I just really do. So um, it's been really good for me for that. Another thing that I um, 
was kind of playing with is the other thing is y'all know I love Canva. So Canva just introduced their version of uh, Canva Write, which is basically sort of like an AI uh, portion where, you know, you can like do this something similar like you can do in chat. And I mean, it's pretty, it was pretty dope. It's pretty dope. I was able to kind of write some outlines and stuff. It's still kind of, you know, a little clunky, just like everything else. But um, it it was able, I was able to kind of create outlines for things that I needed. And I was already in Canva because of course that's the next place I'm going anyway to, to create the graphics and all the things to go with it. Um, and that's it as far as, well, no, there's more, there's more, but wait, there's more. Uh, the script, the script is another one. So I use the AI voice in the script to do a lot of promo type videos and things like that. Um, sometimes when I just didn't feel like it, when, well, in the beginning, when I was kind of like, you know, kind of cutting my teeth on creating promos and things like that, I will do all of the graphics in Canva and then I will go to Descript for the voiceover. I'd put my script in there and it, the AI produces, you know, whatever I wanted to say. And I tried the overdub. It doesn't understand a Southern Caribbean heritage uh, African-American dialect. It don't understand that. Okay. So I sound like a machine when it tries to talk for me. So I don't want it to talk for me. So, <laughs> so, but the other voices are pretty dope. So I kind of like that. I hadn't, you know, I, I used a script too, and I'm, uh, you know, I've used the voices and I think that they're pretty good. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, I've been playing with some other AI voice tools, too, and all of them have a ways to go. But I could see pretty quickly them stepping up and being pretty useful for creators. Hey, Keely. So same question to you. I have been sort of a little bit late in experimenting with chat GPT or other AI tools simply because I haven't been impressed with what I've seen in terms of output. I, I, I mean, I know I'm going to sound like a complete asshole here, but I come from a writing background. I have an English minor. It, writing has always been my thing. And I can see something that's written by AI a mile away. Because I think now that I've taken Rob Lennon's course, which you alluded to, which is called the AI Content Reactor, we'll put a link uh, to that in the show notes, Now that I've gone through that course and seen what the advanced techniques are in the ways that you can train the AI to recognize what experts are, who they should be going to in order to find best information. So in fact, you know, for in Dina's case, instead of saying, hey, what's the standard for Bichon Freeze? If she had said uh, the prompt instead of being, please consult the American Kennel Club breed standard. Sorry if I'm saying the wrong things here, but can you please consult this expert source for the standard for Bichon Freeze and make sure that it's as up to date as possible or, you know, whatever, and to tailor the prompt so that you're actually getting not the whole broad internet opinion about what Bichon Freeze tails are, but the actual experts, you're going to get something better. If you train the AI to say, look, here's a whole bunch of my writing. I'm an expert in this topic. So what my plans are for AI 
when I have all my spare time is to put in a whole bunch of my writings and transcripts about field hockey umpire. Put that all in there and say, hey, this is actually what the rules of the sport are. Because when I just ask it, hey, ChatGPT, tell me about the rules of the aerial ball in, in field hockey. It's completely like it's it's even worse than <laughs> than an uh, unhealthy dog tail for a, a a dog. It's it's just so completely out to lunch. The I think if you don't put in specific information and ask for specific things, you don't get the quality out of it that you should. It's not, it's going to, if you give it generic prompts, it gives you generic information back and it's boring. It's not very informative. It's, it doesn't have anything of Alec, of Dina, of Michelle, Rich, Rob. It doesn't have our personalities in it. It doesn't have our experiences in it. So I think it's been worthwhile for me to sort of take my time to take this course that I did and get myself a little more educated on how to get the most out of this tool so that I don't waste time uh, churning out garbage because I just, uh, you know, ain't, ain't nobody got time for that. So that course yeah, pointed I, me at I, MEM. So MEM.ai is a, is a sort of a side tool that Basically, I, I think what these s- softwares are going to be doing is tailoring prompts in a very specific way and taking that programmatical uh, prompt tailoring out of our hands and saying, okay, you just just write in these boxes and we will tailor the prompt according to what boxes you're ticking. Like, oh, you want this to be a task and it then gets inserted into your task manager. So it takes that little bit out of your hands so you don't have to think of it. And uh, I think mem I, mem.ai is going to be a valuable tool for that for for us as well. But every piece of of software that's on a cloud platform right now is looking at ways to incorporate AI, and it's going to be doing those things for us. Well, Microsoft, you know, here we go, Rob, coming back around to Microsoft Word. <laughs> oh, you, you just much. had to, didn't you? <laughs> had to. Well, actually, and let's be honest, the the. Uh, Article I read today was about uh, Microsoft Teams implementing yeah, ChatGPT into Teams for, you know, note taking for uh, questions for, you know, a number of different things in setting up and running a meeting. But you know, they Microsoft has dumped a whole bunch of money into ChatGPT, so we should probably expect to see it in the Microsoft products here pretty quickly, and you know. I, uh, as we've seen in the past with other technologies that have been bought up, acquired, absorbed, stamped out, whatever, you know, uh, big companies creating their own, it's it's going to be interesting to see, you know, I believe OpenAI probably is going to survive or do well or just be acquired and exist. But there's going to be a lot of people that have, are, that are building things on the OpenAI platform that either need to mature quickly and sell within the next 24 months, or they're going to be left uh, at the altar and there's going to be nothing, you know, no money for them. I'll just sort of jump back in with an example from Mem.ai that you can use a, uh, a Twitter reply on a particular thread or a post that you really like and say, hey, mem.ai this basically. And what it'll do is it'll bring that tweet or that thread 
into your mem.ai database and you can then maybe tag it with specific information hey this is about uh this this is this is about this subject matter this is really good i like this that sort of thing and you start creating an internal sort of ai about what you think good writing is or good information on this topic is and then you can say hey mem.ai given these things that i've stored about this particular topic can you write a tweet for me in four threads and um in and in this style that talks about this particular subject matter for me and then it'll actually get you just so much more of a smarter more tailored you know answer for that so that's one of the ways that uh, i'm excited now finally about using ai with these tools because it's it's got to be a lot more responsive, I think, and it's just about us understanding the things, the possibilities that we can use it for. Yeah, I jumped in and, and signed up for Mema AI, you know, halfway through my Rob Lennon course. But I, again, I only started the Rob Lennon course two nights ago, so I'm, uh, you know, I haven't had time to sit down and learn Mema AI. And then I just subscribed again to Feedly. So I'm using Feedly and they have an AI tool built into there. So I'm going to have to sit down and teach myself that. And that's the thing is that, you know, there's all these fun tools, but you got to learn them all. So let me, let me go on and speak to a few of the tools that I've been using. So obviously I've had Jasper um, and I'm just going to go out and say that, that these writing tools are going to be a lot like discussing Google Docs and Microsoft Word and, you know, just using a plain text field. Everyone's going to have their their opinions and why things are good and why they're bad. No one's right or no one's wrong with pizza, uh, except for pizza with pineapple on it. That's just atrocious. But, um, <laughs> yes. Uh, so, you know, Jasper, I, I signed up for, I was one of the first people. I then came back in. Uh, I quit for a while, came back in. I'm using it, it again, but you know some of the limitations of the interface kind of frustrate me. And I like the the chat ability of ChatGPT. And while Jasper has that to a certain extent, at least in my case for the work that I'm doing, and I'm going prompt for prompt. I anytime I write a prompt, I put it into uh, you know into Evernote or into a Word document, and I test it on different platforms. So. I've been I I have Copy AI, I have Jasper, ChatGPT, and then somebody reached out to me from a company called Type AI, Type.ai, and they're building a whole nother platform uh, based on the OpenAI thing as well, and it is very basic right at this particular point in time. But the idea is some similar to what Keeley was discussing along the lines of the mem.ai, there's a mouthful, um, platform in that you're trying to train um, your writing style within, within that. And that's you can start to see that with um, type AI. And I think some of the other things I like about it is when it writes out blurbs or an article or whatever, they break everything up into uh, paragraphs in so that you can drag and drop them and move the paragraphs up and down as needed or just delete whole entire paragraphs 
or rewrite an entire paragraph and that paragraph alone without affecting everything up, you know, up or down in that article. So there's some flexibility in there. But, you know, my goal really has been to kind of focus on my writing and, you know, I'm writing in healthcare, but I'm not writing like patient care stuff. So let's just get that out of the way. It's, you know, it's marketing focused on um, medical practices and how medical practices market themselves and brand themselves. So I'm not trying to kill anybody with AI, at least not at this point. And uh, not yet. <laughs> so not yet. We're going to get there. But, I, you know, it, so all of these tools have have created their own little niches, but we're going to have to see if the riches or the niches or the riches or the riches or the niches or whatever, you know. Uh, riches get stitches. Riches get stitches. <laughs> there too. So, Rich, talk to us. I started using Jasper last summer when everybody said, oh, you got to have Jasper in here. Give me $1,000. And it renewed, I'm sorry, two summers ago. And it renewed last summer before I could stop it. However, I do use it quite a bit, but I use it for product descriptions. When I have to, if I go to a a product site and I see a list of bullet points, this this bag is non-woven or it's 200 D polyester or it's screen printed one color or it's full color or it's printed in the gussets or whatever. I'll take a list of bullet points, dump it into Jasper and say, make a paragraph out of this. And it makes a nice short paragraph that you could put in a product catalog or send an email to somebody without having just a list of features. Um, That's what I use it for. Also, if I need to create a blog post or something like that, I'll say, give me an outline, give me five things about X that I need to know about. And then I can expand on that myself, or I can have it write stuff about each one, but I don't really do it because like Keely was saying, it's, it doesn't have your personality. So, and I do that a lot of times. I'll, I'll have it write. I don't know, two paragraphs about employee appreciation. And then I'll take what it says and I'll modify it to make it mine. But it, it's just a jumping, jumping off point. They say it's going to, uh, you know, people will stick stuff in there and whatever it spits out, they will publish. And then I think it's going to cannibalize itself because they say that all this AI stuff reads the internet and that's where it learns from. It's going to start learning from itself and all this crap that people are putting out. And eventually it's going to get worse. I don't think it's going to get better. They say, oh, it's being trained, but it's being trained with, with crap information. Uh, I wanted to go back to Dina and say, are there any instances where a dog's tail is cut off and that's a, the right thing to <laughs> yeah. do or not? Yeah, there are breeds that have dog tails for sure. No, 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 but not for Bichons ever. Oh, God, no, never. Don't so do that, that information is not out there that j- your, j- your chat thing just made it up, right? right? Yeah, see, that's right. bullshit. Like, right. I think it and did. And that's the yeah. kind of thing. That's the kind of thing that's going to be painful because, I mean, there was some guy that's like some lawyer is going to go to court or was going to try to go to court and use chat DPT to, to defend somebody and I, or sue somebody or whatever. I would. There is a website that with. uses yeah, yeah. AI. Yeah, it's it's a it's a I'll I'll dig it up for the show notes, but there is actually a uh, a, a company that uses AI to help you defend your. Uh, speeding tickets, your parking tickets, right? Basic contracts, uh, that that type of thing at that level. And the guy that had founded it was obviously just going uh, to court for publicity purposes, and the judge was not going to have 
any of it and literally and threatened the guy with yeah. fines and jail time if he can, you know, if he proceeded. So yeah. not everybody is warm and, and fuzzy in the AI space. Yeah. Yeah. So my and, opinion and, and on the whole thing is, you know, garbage in, garbage out. I mean, if you, yeah. if you take it literally and post whatever it tells you, it's, you're going to look like an idiot. So you can't really get away with that. Yeah, they, there you go. So it, if you're worried that AI is going to take your job and you're a lawyer, you only know if what the AI is giving you is accurate or not, is if you already have the training, the knowledge and the expertise to be able to weed out what is actually a good argument, what is fact, what is fiction, all that kind of stuff. You're not going to get replaced. It's just going to make it faster for people who actually know their stuff to do their stuff. That's that's it in a nutshell. So I really don't think all this hysteria about, oh my God, nobody's going to be able to create. The creators still have to put their lives, their voice, their experience, their knowledge into what they're doing. So that like you say, Rich, the information doesn't just cannibalize itself into this well, let me ask a bar- black hole of fiction. Let me ask a barrister something. I mean, so um, we know that there is set law in Canada or set law in the United States or even set law, published law in Arizona, where I live. So we know that there is a data set and we have past, you know, uh, court rulings and things like that. So if AI was trained and only dealt with the verified data in law journals, in case findings, and in, in things like that, and did not retrain itself unless it was a verified data set. Do you think that AI would be okay in the legal field? But you as a user would have to be knowing and knowing how to access just those data sets and continuing to, to stay with that. And if any random person comes in and says, oh, Let's sort of just slide in some Ohio-based law into there and confuses things. Then now you've got, you know, anything goes. Well, and, and, and I think that and that's going back problem. to Jasper though, into kind of that Jasper model. But you know, what if I knew that I was going to be writing or looking for something to be written, and the prompt drop-down menu requires me to define what country and what state or what municipality I'm writing for. So it only goes against verified data and it and no one gets to train that AI except for verified, you know, like a company. Cause you know, is that how it's going to work? <laughs> I, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. I I've, I've, you know, I've watched plenty of Pixar movies, so I don't expect anything to turn out well. Um, so <laughs> We are talking about it as a tool. And I think the thing is, it's like, yeah, yeah the point is it's not going to replace uh, people in terms of you do have to have some knowledge of what it's talking about. So um, I just think it's a case of we're all going to be using this. We All of us have tried it. And I'm guessing all of us are going to continue to implement it into our workflow. And it's just a case of bearing that in mind that we can't just use it to think like, oh, it's the easy button to just churn out a load of content that we are, you know, not actually putting our own eyes on 
I mean, I did actually create one uh, blog post with it just to see like what it came out. And actually, in that instance, it gave me something that I couldn't really add to. <laughs> so I did actually just post that just to see what happened with that as it basically more or less as it came out. I just added a paragraph with an extra call to action at the end of it. Um, but in some cases, it does come out, you know, really accurate. But if you don't know that it's accurate, then you can't just sort of post blindly. That's no, the thing. And, that, and if and I ever fair, work I with a lawyer to draft a contract and it has anything about docking tails, then maybe that'll be a little cue for them. <laughs> I tell you, the scary, the really scary one though is the art thing. But when when you tell something like Dolly or Mid Journey or whatever to generate some stock photography for you for a, for a website or whatever, that stuff's pretty good, and that can replace people. Because if you don't, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you don't need a stock photo account anymore because you can just say, give me a picture of a man on a payphone in a rainstorm with an umbrella, mm, black suit. True. I mean, you can, you can do all this stuff and get a and 4,000 pixels wide by 2,000 pixels tall. You can right. really get specific with it and generate some kind of stuff. Now, it may have, it may have been based on some artist's technique or Van Gogh or whatever, and that's, people are screaming about that too, but that can replace people's jobs. And, and stock photography and all that other stuff. So that's something to kind of watch out for. Because in the, in the creative space, I think the, the thing that I've been having the most fun with in the past couple of weeks has been mid-journey and teaching myself prompt writing. And so much of what OpenAI and ChatGPT is with Rob Lennon's course is, is prompt writing. I've heard, I don't know if anybody else has, the new job... Uh, titled Prompt Engineer. And there was a posted job, One of I think it might have been Rob Lennon or one of the people that he, that he uh, tweets with, posted a job in San Francisco for the job title of Prompt Engineer. And the base salary was 250000 And I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. We're going that direction. Who the heck has the experience, right, at this particular point in time? I mean, you can, if you're a smart person and you're an engineer and an English major and all that, you probably can get up to speed pretty quickly for a $250,000 a year job. Of course, $250,000 in San Francisco is probably minimum wage. But, um, you know, it's just the fact that there are jobs out there now you know, specifically targeted to AI. Um, I know that in my field in, in medicine, um, in ra- specifically in radiology, we've been dealing with AI for a long time and the fear of AI. Now, first place, radiologists fear everything. Change is bad. And it's there's a number of different reasons for a whole other day. But the the fact of the matter is just in the past couple of years at our big conferences, there's always been some company or companies, you know, uh, that create some sort of niche product, AI product for radiology. And the rub that I see, the, pro- the problem I see is there's, there's the big mammoth software companies, the GEs, the Kodak, CareStreams, the Fujis, those big people that create the software for our industry and now these all these little AI companies, and they want you to spend forty, fifty thousand dollars to solve one problem when there's fifty problems to be solved. They want you to to pay and have it implemented into your site into your software. And there's no guarantee that 
implementing that software into your PAX system, whatever you're, you're using is going to not screw things up. So there's at an implementation level of using this as productizing AI into healthcare um, to help people write reports, or I'm speaking to somebody tomorrow um, just on an AI tool that helps diagnose, diagnose better diagnose uh, mammographies for breast cancer. It's cool, but I don't think doctors have anything to worry about in the short term, but I can see AI being trained on data sets and being able to write reports pretty quickly. I'd say within the next five years, you're probably going to be seeing some level of interpretation for your medical images. So good luck with that. So, all right. So my next question, Alex, Alex, so I'm going to go for you for this next question in the next five to 10 years, just like I said, my vision for the medical industry, what's going to happen to radiology? What do you see in the creative community in the next five to 10 years? You know, the good, the bad, the ugly in terms of what AI tools are going to be used for. We've discussed writing. We've discussed audio, fake, you know, voices, creating fake voices. We've creating artwork. Where do you think, think that we are in five to 10 years? Is this going to take people's jobs away or how, you know, use your vision i think it's going to enhance the uh creative people's processes and workflows and speed up the process for people who are really creative and harness it in the right way i think it is also going to increase the amount of uh, crap for want of a better word being put out by people who are just doing that thing of taking it and and running with you know whatever it gives them um so yeah but i think it's just going to become part of everything you know all the, all the the apps are going to have it in in one form or another i don't know exactly how they would uh, feature this in you know everything but think of like even apps like photoshop i'm sure there'll be something in there to generate certain aspects uh, there'll be things that can just you know automate a lot of the processes that you have to go through in apps like photoshop to uh, you know, the steps that you have to take to improve on an image. Uh, that's just a no-brainer, given what you were just saying about things like uh, mid-journey and uh, what uh, Rich was saying as well about, you know, creating stock art. Well, if that could give you a starting point to work with. Um, and obviously, all of the big companies, Microsoft, of course, getting on board with it to build these things into apps like um, Microsoft Word, obviously, for the written stuff. But a lot of people don't realize all of the the coding stuff that you can do with chat gpt for as i said before macros for excel i think speeding up that whole process uh is just going to be a you know it's, it's going to be a game changer from a point of view of how effectively people can use excel because we've mentioned in a previous episode most people only use a fraction of the power of it um but that's just because of like the the learning curve in terms of understanding it and understanding what it can do so having some sort of ai thing built into excel as well would be uh, would be massive yes Absolutely. Dina, thoughts about the future? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they figure out how to have it generate video content. And I, mm. again, I'm with Alec. I don't think it's going to, if, if we gets there, I don't think it's going to change what we do markedly. It's going to help us in some ways, I suppose, but I mean, video is so core to what we do that I can't see people adopting it broadly. It'll be um, the crap. Creepy. You know, it's just going to be more crap. And, 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 aside from video, I think you can look forward 
to really crappy recipe experiences from now on because people <laughs> have to write all that stuff at the top. You know, I'll never do that. I swear. <laughs> um, I think they're going to just have some have AI generate it. So not only do you have to scroll through it, but it's really bad scrolling through. Um, like I said, if I if I ever put it on my recipe pages, it's going to be below the recipe because it's the bots that want it, not not the recipe seekers. There is a video AI one, which no one's mentioned, called Synthesia. Uh, and that is basically, that creates, you know, talking head virtual thing. You type in the mm -hmm. text, and then you've got the talking head there. So, I mean, it's only a small step to just actually build that into chat GPT that you ask it a question. It generates the content and then has somebody, you know, read it out as well. So couples those two things together. Um, I've not played with that one too much, but, um, yeah, that's that's another interesting one that actually generates people <laughs> speaking. Yeah. I'd, I'd actually seen an yeah. example the yeah. other day where one AI bot was talking to another AI bot and they had synthesized faces talking to each other and they could have continued to just go on forever because they were literally just asking each other questions and the other one would, would answer that. So it's there. But yeah, fa uh, I was going to say that, that Photoshop already had built-in AI. They call them neural engines. And then what Alec mentioned before about to, to what Dina said is that those those uh, synthesized people talking heads right now. I've seen them. Uh, I've played with them a little bit. They're not even close to being ready. They're, they're creepy. And everyone wants to jump on them for marketing purposes, which, yay, I guess. But you're going to turn off some, you're going to turn off clients. You're going to turn off people pretty quickly if you use those too heavily. I mean, the voice, just having a vo over, you know, voiced, Overdub, that's one thing, but these video things right now are not really there yet. Michelle, what do you see the future being? Oh my goodness, talk about getting in the matrix, bruh. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know. Um, I'm kind of on board with, you know, what everyone's, you know, piggybacking off of what everyone's saying. Um, now more than ever, it'll be even more difficult to stand out but you can't replace the human experience period okay you can't replace that we it but you cannot replace the human experience because they're not human so um so yeah use it as a tool use it as what it is a tool and you know it'll help you get to where you need to go but at the same time it's it's not a replacement at all i don't see even though I know that this is sort of like the, this is the uh, revolution that's happening right now. This is like, you know, the, 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 the hot talk that we're talking about right now. Um, yeah. It's not going to replace the human experience and the stories we still have to tell. So uh, I think the future is bright. However, you relegate it to that, what it is a tool and just use it as such. Keely, are you that optimistic? Um, I think so, but just expounding on the theme that I've been uh, pounding on for the last while is that I, th I think what we're going to move to is almost siloing our AI as creatives, that we're going to build our library of our knowledge and our voice in order to then generate content that is ours. And so... You know, I will take every video 
every transcript, every, every tweet that I've ever written about umpiring that I've written about discord, that'll all go into my own little AI generator. And that will then generate more things that reflect what I know, and what my experiences are. And I think when creators learn that skill, we're all going to become 250k a year prompt engineers. And that is going to take some time. It's going to take guidance and practice and experience. It's another skill that we're going to be adding to our ever-expanding tool set. And that's where the real value of AI is going to be, is not drawing on everything else out there, but drawing on everything that's in here. That's what I think the future is going to be. Rich. Talk to me. I don't really have anything to add except I mean everybody else says it's it's gonna get it's gonna get better, but it's gonna be you're just gonna have to weed through a bunch of crap to get through it. I am kind of wary about deep fix because that video looks pretty good. I mean if you get Barack Obama or Tom Cruise talking shit, and those look really, really real. And I don't know how they do that. But and I guess that are, are we talking is that AI too? I I think it is. To a certain um, extent, yeah. yeah, but it's uh, that's some scary stuff, and and you can change the course of history by having some president say the wrong thing to the wrong person, or having somebody well, I mean, think they said the wrong thing. It's just you know, go ahead. Yeah, those things couple together. So I mean, if you imagine taking the overdub facility of Descript, but then training it on somebody's somebody else's voice, not necessarily a famous person, just anybody else. Um, yeah. Then you look at something like uh, Synthesia, where you can create an AI person and have them read something uh, and right. then just overlay the deep fake thing where you're putting the face of the person on top of that you could literally create a video of somebody whoever it happened to be saying something that you wanted them to say um and there's all manner of ways that that could be yeah. used nefariously well the ones that are out there i mean this was three or four years ago they came, or maybe even before mm -hmm. that they came out and that's those have been around it's not like a new thing and they mm -hmm. really do look frightening frighteningly realistic and it's it would be so easy for somebody to just cause a whole bunch of trouble by sticking that out there. So I don't know it, the way we're talking about AI, write me a blog post, write me a paragraph, make me a picture. I guess that stuff will get easier and the more people use it, the more people will get better at it just like everything else. So I, you know, I just think that we've just started to talk about that. This. I think that there's going to be additional tools that are going to come around. There's, we're going to gain some, we're going to lose some, we're going to learn. We all together are going to learn how to uh, engineer those prompts, write those prompts for whatever purposes. And we're going to get into it because it's going to be a new language. Uh, just the things that I've learned in the past week, you know, just for my mid journey prompts. And honestly, I think 95% of the stuff I've been using mid-journey for has been for fun. You know, uh, as I mentioned, you know, before we started is that, you know, uh, my family has American Eskimo dogs. So I've been using mid-journey to create artwork that included uh, American Eskimo dogs taking selfies of themselves at famous locations around the United States and the world. And, you know, honestly, that's just for social media, you know, goofiness. I can, you know, I can see people using it for commercial purposes. But again, I still think we haven't come to, uh, you know, uh, dealing with what all 
Midjourney or any of the other art programs have been trained on and how little or a lot of that, you know, that, you know, you know, IP of somebody's art is being used to create something for you. So I think that we're still going to be tiptoeing over this for a long period of time. And as creators, we probably need to keep our eyes out for, you know, to discuss in the future, the good, the bad, and the ugly of using artificial intelligence in our work. So uh, we're going to leave it there. We know that we're going to be talking about this again in the future. Lord knows we're going to be talking about this in the future. Uh, I appreciate you listening to us today. This is Alec, Dina, Michelle, Keeley, Rich, and my name is Rob. We're all part of the pod. We're the peas, and we thank you for listening today. Thanks for hopping into our Creators Pod. If you enjoyed it, we'd love if you would subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts and tell a friend about it. Check out the video version on our YouTube channel, Creators Pod. The Creators Pod is produced by C22 Media, Dina Taylor, Keely Dunn, Michelle Lawrence, Rich Graham, Rob Vols, and me, Alec Johnson. Thanks for listening. I got I got Rich to shake his head. <laughs>